Are you ready for some footy talk? From the same lot that brought you the Free of Star podcast. Great intro. I introduce to you a new plethora of hard talk. Great foresight and a love for football. Come on, let's ride. Are you with me? It's the game that we love, and it's all so beautiful. Welcome to the Lovely Peace Podcast, everyone. I am your gaffer, Luther Van Soss, and I will be referred to as gaffer. I will not have it any other way within this LPP, the Lovely Peace Podcast. This is the first rendition, and we're just going to do a little setup, a little bit. We're going to put it on a plate for you, what you are to expect from these sessions and that is football talk that is first takes that are hot that are sizzling that are straight off of the hot press straight off of the keeper's glove smacked right off of the woodwork that's what we're gonna bring you and i can't wait to get into it all i can't wait to assemble the team because we have so many football fans out there in the universe this is the biggest sport the biggest group activity, I'm probably not right there, but regardless, we all know how much football can take over our lives, can be involved in our lives, and can change lives. And to be able to start this podcast midway into the season is a little different than how I imagined it, but we do have to give credit where it is earned and I would like to say that Frank Lampard the recently sacked Chelsea boss their former gaffer was part of the inspiration for this I mean I saw Frank Lampard partake in a podcast earlier in the year with some Utes a father and a son who had put together a podcast over there in London Big shout out to the High Performance Podcast. It's all about how high performance is involved in the world of football, how you get high performance, how managers, teams, equipos, like to throw in a little bit of Spanish in there, how it all correlates and how it's an ever-changing, dynamic organ. Football is not just an organization, it is a live breathing organ and it takes proper preparation work and the right manager the right team the right collection of individuals that are able to perform at the highest level and make the right decisions 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 so where do we start for this first ever 
lovely piece podcast. We talked about Frank Lampard, the inspiration, how he actually took part in the High Performance podcast and almost gave me the intuition, gave me the inkling. The, 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 I got bit by a bug and it was... <laughs> I wish that there was some play on words, much like how Frank Lampard stayed away from during his time of manager. He didn't like to find any idioms. He just liked to get straight to the point. Nonetheless, spider pig bit me, spider pod, the footy pod bug got a hold of me, and here we are, the first ever Lovely Peace podcast. That's LPP for all of you fine footaholics. Yeah, we're creating words as we go. Now 2020 and 2021 have brought us some of the craziest results we've seen in the world of football, going back to the Champions League, Bayern Munich on their epic, legendary route throughout the Champions League as they beat Barcelona 8-2 on the day to reach the Champions League semi-finals and go on to win it against PSG and Tommy Tuchel and his... PSG side, the Parisians getting back into the final for the first time. Liverpool winning the Premier League title for the first time in over 20 years, maybe the first time in the Premier League era. That was all last year. That's what happened last year, the cancellation of the European Championships. Football is in such a precarious moment and in time right here, right now. We're going to start digging to the bottom of all this. We're going to situate ourselves right inside the middle of the footballing world. And as this LPP continues its lovely strut down the catwalk, we're going to bring in more personalities, more intake, more insight, really for the pleasure of any footballing brain out there. These are the types of conversations that need to be had and... Just watching Sky News, watching Al Jazeera, and picking up on any transfer talk, any any hot gossip. Let's put it this way. I mean, the British tabloids, the Spanish tabloids, the Italian tabloids are ruthless, cutthroat, more so than TMZ, and hell, we'll put right-wing Twitter, all of it together. <laughs> but of course football is all inclusive it's the biggest game in the world why do we need to try and seclude anyone it's an all inclusive let's keep it all lovely this is all about peace this is all about football and it's all about the love for the beautiful game so enough of all of that that was just the intro to what is about to be a really fun time everybody welcome once again to the Lovely Peace podcast, part of the Lovely Peace NPO, part of the Lovely Peace community. Make sure you follow on Twitter, on Instagram, anywhere on the web. Lovely Peace, a footballing charity organization. So let's start the show. Gundogan, and that is simply fantastic from Ilkay Gundogan. 
So let's start the show where the week began off. Ilkay Gundogan is currently one of the most talked about players in the Premier League, barring Bruno Fernandes, barring Timo Werner's gold drought. Ilkay Gundogan is the one getting it done for the Mancunians. And six goals for in his last eight, you heard it there, is a testament to how much Gundogan has grown into his role under Pep Guardiola. He's been there for the better part of the last four or five years. Remember, Gundogan came to Manchester City from Borussia Dortmund back in 2016 after a five-year spell with Borussia. It's just really good to see the influx of goals being added to his game after what was a stop-start to his Manchester City career. Injuries plaguing him, I believe it was a knee injury, probably a muscular injury in his thigh but what a player and what a time for Manchester City right now 5-0 against West Brom over the midweek and they had struggled against West Brom earlier in the year we know that they only beat them 1-0 with a Raheem Sterling penalty being missed right at the end of the game so you can't take anything for granted in this league they battered West Brom quite quite easily, just the way how you would want it to happen. And as a result, they went top of the league. See, if a team at the t- in the top four right now slips, whether it's Leicester, who were top beforehand, whether it's United going in and out, and there's first place being up for grabs every week, every match day, just about. So you got to keep your foot on the gas. You got to keep on going. On Wednesday, Manchester City ended the day top of the Premier League. Sorry, Tuesday, City topped the Premier League. The next day, Tommy Tuchel's first match under charge at Chelsea. That was what kicked off the day. Early game, Tuchel on the reins. Not at the wheel, but on the reins of this Chelsea FC side looking to furl its mane a little bit looking to show its pride once again as the top team in London however it did not go that way there were still glimpses of what this Tuchel Chelsea side could bring to the Premier League with the high press being talked about they managed to go with a little bit of the old guard once again. This is giving me flashbacks to when Roberto Di Matteo took over from Andre Villas Boas back in 2012. Remember? All those young players out of the side. Let's get Terry back inside. Let's get Lampard back where he needs to be. Let's put Ivanovic in. Let's put Drogba in. Let's score some goals. Let's get the clean sheets. Let's do the job. Do the business. Do the dirty side of the game. And I really feel like we're going to have to dog it out. Nil-nil is the way that some other Chelsea managers have started out themselves, whether that be Goose Hiddink in 2016. When he returned to the club, he started things out with a nil-nil draw. So let's take away the positives. Kai Havertz back in a central role, the role that 
he made his own back in Germany at Bayern Leverkusen. The Premier League needs Kai Havertz to develop into the player that was bought for over 60 million. The Premier League needs Kai Havertz to follow in the footsteps of Michael Ballack and become a legend for both club and country. The Premier League needs a player like Kai Havertz who has the stature, the frame, the vision, the drive to take over and be the beast that we all know he can be. Whether Tommy Tuchel is the person to get that out of him remains to be seen, but he's listening to his squad. He's making sure his squad has no fear, much like what a Mourinho type of impact had on Tottenham. I truly feel like Frank Lampard was the father figure that Chelsea needed at the time when they were going through the transfer ban. They needed to corral the Utes to become Premier League, a Premier League title fighting side. It didn't quite work out like that, but we were still able to push all of the top four contenders to their last legs and getting the job done on the last day of the season was quite the achievement for Frank. But the Premier League is visceral when it comes to getting rid of managers, getting getting rid of any dead weight. It seems that no longer needed was a father figure. What's needed is personality, a vision. It, it can be so much more than just all that. What really need, is needed, in the word I was looking for, is an identity. And what Chelsea had was an identity of being pushed over, easy to break down on the wings, easy to collapse. They'll counter you, but if if you keep at least 10, 9 men behind the ball, the counter is going to be fizzled out. It's going to be harder for their flanks to make decisions. And... You're going to tire them out, exhaust them, break the other way, score that easily. It just feels like over the last couple of years, pretty much ever since Jose Mourinho has left the club, Abramovich has been on a personal vendetta to get that tiki-taka-style football back of the club. How many managers have they gone through? Scolari, AVB. We could be here for days with the likes of Conte, Sarri. It's all been tried. It's all been tested. Do Chelsea have the personality? It's all come and gone. Salah, De Bruyne, Hazard. It's all... Even Willian was their talisman for a bit. But right now, what's needed is a manager that understands the situation, is experienced has the credibility and definitely is willing to undertake this project because not many were, not many are, not many have the stomach for the pressure. I feel like Thomas Tuchel is the man for the moment. He's approaching the situation with a smile and with a little bit of a guile too. There's something underneath that peculiar mole on his face that screams, I got it all from here. I'll take it from here. Let's go challenge.
So really excited to see what else happens. Will Timo Werner be part of the plans or was that a Lampard signing? I think just by the fact that it's not apples to apples, but it is a German winning coach with a young, slight German influence squad. And together it should should bring success, but you can never be too sure. Tuchel has also worked with Christian Pusic at Dortmund himself. Yeah, that's right. A former Borussia Dortmund manager in the Premier League once again. Ring any bells, Klopp. <laughs> this could be an important time for German football and English football at the same moment because we're seeing all these Germans taking over the Premier League. Some leaving, some coming in. It's going to be exciting, y'all. Yeah, it will be exciting. And it needs to be mentioned that there are other players that Tuchel has had the pleasure of managing. It's Thiago Silva, everybody. PSG reaching the Champions League final last year. Tuchel was the man in charge. Him and Silva have quite the rapport with each other. He has a German footballing brain with a Brazilian soul. Those words coming out of the mouth of Danny Alves himself. What a remark. And, of course, he's also familiar with the likes of Tony Rudiger, the Chelsea centre-back. I guess Tuchel tried to sign him before. So they've been in talks. It's look, He's had his arm around Reese James, who really struggled towards the end of that Lampard tenure, along with that whole right wing really just needs to be sorted out who's going to be playing down that right wing and the left as well every every position is up for grabs at Chelsea Tuchel's first squad was completely different from anything we've seen before Hudson Odoi starting with Havertz in the middle Giroud up front Ziyech was actually rendered useless I shouldn't say that Odoi and Ziyech both put in quality quality balls in the opening 15-20 minutes of the game and even in the beginning of the second half however it appears that in Chelsea when they attack they they come out of the gates they come quick charging storming and then it all fizzles out. If you don't score the early goal, they really suffer. And they they lose their momentum looking for things to do. They end up slowing everything down to a walking pace. And that allows teams to get set up. We're seeing that problem with Liverpool all the time right now. However, that has changed. So let's not dawdle too much on Chelsea. It was a nil-nil draw. Just wanted to get those thoughts out of the way for this Tuchel reign that begins once again Sunday morning, early kickoff. It's going to be Thomas Tuchel and his Chelsea side taking on who? Who, you might ask? The Ginger Mourinho, Sean Dyche Burnley, who has also been... Up there in the headlines with the win at Liverpool 
at Anfield, the first win in over eight seasons or over like 160 games or something. At Liverpool were dethroned at Anfield, 1-0 from Chris Wood penalty. How did they fare in the midweek, you might ask? They beat Aston Villa two goals to three at home. Wow, so Burnley are pretty much giant killers right now. Luckily, Chelsea aren't quite the giants that they should be. It's going to be an interesting game. I can see Chelsea getting a small but considerate 1-0 win. It might be shaky, but they're going to get it over the line. And the Tuchel reign can begin with his first three points. However, 1-1 draw wouldn't be out of the cards. Off the cards, I should say. And let's get back into it. We mentioned Burnley 3-2 against Villa. That prevented Villa actually from going top of the league. On to Manchester United versus Sheffield United, which could have been one of the top teams in the league if they won the game, facing off with the team that was rock bottom at the start of the day. Burnley on Wednesday starting off after 19 games being played with only just five points. Sorry, I said Burnley. I meant Sheffield United. And nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw Sheffield United getting a a result at Old Trafford, let alone stealing all three points. But that's what happened. And Sheffield United looked better for it as well. They looked like they were solid on the ball. If you look at the stats, they took 24% possession to United 76. So they had just a quarter of the possession And not a lot of telling passes, but their pressure really told. They got three shots on target, two of those being goals. De Gea going to be furious with his inability to keep a low amount of shots out from the back of his net. But I don't think that those stats even tell the tale because as you watch the game, all you could hear was Sheffield United's pressure. You could hear Oli Burke scoring that great goal but he was a nuisance throughout the game and being a nuisance is one of the biggest compliments you can pay to a player right now when you can see Man City passing the ball to death like over a thousand times to win a game 5-0 what is it that's gonna detract from a team getting their own ideologies out there on the pitch from the manager what they've been set out to do that, those are the nuisance makers. And they're the ones like an N'Golo Kante a, or even just a Chris Wood who can give you a few elbows underneath the rib. We're all about the nuisance makers here. We're all about the terror makers here on the Lovely Peace podcast. How could you get that? We do love a good, sound, crisp pass, but we also love a back-breaking challenge. One that's done without scissoring through the player. One that's done cleanly, in fact. So a little bit of a unorganized chaos here on the Lovely Peace podcast that we're setting up. We love those angelic moments of bliss, and we also love those thunderous crashes of chaos. Yeah, I think we do. 
So United missed their chance to go top of the league. What do you make of that? I think a lot of people are saying United could end up going on a free fall from here. As soon as United lose one game, they end up losing a bunch on the run. If we can look at their results, actually, they beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, a competition that's lost its luster, but nonetheless, they'll take pride in ending the cup run of the Liverpool faithful. Now, United, last time they lost was to Arsenal with a penalty being scored by Patrick Pierre Aubameyang back in on November 1st. <laughs> I always mess up Aubameyang's name. Get that. It's the Pierre-Emerick part that really it just makes me want to say Patrick. I don't, I don't know why. After that loss, United lost another to Istanbul, and that's where we really thought that Ole might be taking his hands off the wheel a bit. They bounced right back that weekend, 3-1 to Everton. I don't even know if they deserved that win. A Cavani goal in the 95th minute of stoppage time, giving them the advantage that they basically held throughout the better part of the game after they took the lead in the 32nd minute. And of course, we uh, Pickford was going through goalkeeping problems. Hopefully, he's good for the weekend. But that it takes us to Arsenal versus Manchester United happening on Saturday morning. It's one of the later kickoffs for the day before Southampton and Villa, but it's the showcase fixture of the twenty first match day of the Premier League, Arsenal, United, you can't ask for more. I would really just look back to, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson's, one of his last seasons, the amount of times where United have been a crutch in Arsenal's side. I can even, there's so many, so many memories flashing back, but one of the best ones might have to be Arsenal United title run the two-way horse race back in 2008-9 I would say it was Adebayor top scorer of the league versus Rooney Ronaldo the mix and somehow United beat them to the title it didn't necessarily have to go down in the match itself they might have had a couple draws that season but just watching them two at the top of their games, Wenger versus Sir Alex Ferguson. Man, the Premier League has been through some great eras, hasn't it? Hasn't it? As we wind things up in the lovely Peace podcast here, we just have a couple more fixtures to go through. And those four sides being Everton versus Leicester, Tottenham versus Liverpool. Now, Everton versus Leicester was the last game following Man United versus Sheffield United on the midweek. And Everton are actually looking like they're getting ready to just start things up again. I, I captained Calvert-Lewin in my fantasy team for this weekend against Newcastle. They got a great draw against Leicester City, who were without Jamie Vardy, I'll add. But teams got to kick on. 
James Rodriguez scored a brilliant goal from outside the box that really just went past Schmeichel, regrettably, as he's my keeper in FPL. Yuri Tillemans actually leveled things up in the latter part of the game. I thought Everton were good for their money, but you can never rule out a false nine being played. It always just adds a bit of delusion to the game. And with a false nine, like James Madison or Harvey Barnes can even fill in that spot. However, he didn't really do it so well in the beginning of the season. I think that's why Brendan Rodgers has opted with Perez as the false nine, Madison behind him. Barnes, you do your thing on the left. However, not much else to say about the game. It petered out in the end to a 1-1 draw. Everton or Leicester, both with chances to get back into the top four. Um, Sorry, Leicester would have gone top if they had won the game. They would have been joint with Man- Manchester City on top. Would have been interesting, but... As the top four stands right now, it's Man City in first, United in second, Leicester in third, Liverpool in fourth, with West Ham right behind them, and Liverpool will be facing off with West Ham in the weekend. We'll see if West Ham can leapfrog Liverpool. Wouldn't that be quite the story? Uh, It would give them a lot of belief to just maybe secure a European spot for next season. However, you don't want to grow too quick. West Ham, but I'm sure David Moyes is ready for that and more for his London side to really start to make some noise in the Premier League if they haven't already. Let's see what they can get up to. Now, last but not least, let's talk about Liverpool, who will be facing off with West Ham on the weekend. I believe that they're going to be playing at the Olympic Stadium. So Liverpool don't have the best away form in the league. I believe it's actually Manchester United who have the best away form in the league. So they could be in with a shout to beat Arsenal at the Emirates on the weekend. Back to Liverpool who faced off against Tottenham on Thursday. Just yesterday. And This is a draw that could have gone either way. shouldn't say draw because Liverpool were winners. 3-1 in the end. Kane, Son versus the front three of Firmino, Mane, Salah. How did it end? Well, I'll tell you how it started. Another Son-Kane combination led to an offside goal being called against Hyungmin Son. Margins, margins, millimeters. And Liverpool took control from there. then on. It was an interesting first half full of a midfield battle. There were chances, there were balls across the box. And it happened to be the first ball that got past this Spurs back three, maybe? Yeah. Dyer still filling in a center back. Whether that's his best role, I think his best role is on the bench. To be. <laughs> but uh, Dyer in front of Yoris, it's always going to be a problem. It's got to be. Since when is it not? I just always, I feel like McTominay, Dyer, 
as solid as the managers think they are, there is a little bit of complacency in their bones. And there is a mistake. There is a cough up. And that's basically what happened is the Mane's pass went right through the legs of the Spurs back three. They could have gotten to it. They didn't. And Firmino, right in between them, gets to a lovely curl in in curling assist from Mane. 1-0 at halftime. However, it's the St. Mary's, former St. Mary's, Southampton, St. Hoiberg, who was purchased as basically Mourinho's signing of the season, when you think about it. Hoiberg, with a thunderous effort, outside the foot, top drawer. Mm, gotta love it. That goal actually came after a Trent Alexander-Arnold in the 47th minute. It was, Yeah, three goals uh with five minutes, give or take, on either side of the half. It meant that uh, with Kane going down injured early in the first half, um, prayers for Kane, hope that he doesn't make it into the England side for the Euros so we can potentially win it this time. Side note, sidebar. Liverpool became dominant and they basically always had the game in control and... They finished it off in the 65th minute. Sadio Mane getting back in on the goals for the first time in a while here. The goals really dried up for Liverpool in those last four or five games after the thrashing, complete 7-0 demolishing of Crystal Palace. And I, I actually loaded up my fantasy team with Palace players. I thought that they were going to do a number on Liverpool that day. Boy, was it wrong. Early kickoffs. Early kickoffs, they were really, really stir up the scene, cause surprises all around. Liverpool went on to draw with West Brom, draw with Newcastle, lose to Southampton, beat Villa in the FA Cup, draw with United in the league, lose to Burnley, lose to United. That is over the course of eight, nine games, including the 3-1 win against Tottenham. They had only scored one goal in five games, and we're talking about a side that's still leading scorers of the league. So you can take a month off and still come back and be the top scoring side in the Premier League. Wow. Lovely peace. That does it for the roundup of the match day 20 fixtures entering into the second half of the season. I thought it was so important that we get this first podcast out of the way so we can continue to build on to it as we go into, that's right, Champions League knockout stages. As we go into the finals of the Carabao Cups, all of that and more, we're going to have a lot of football to talk about. We're going to talk to friends, family, more. Hopefully we pick up a few listeners along the way. Hopefully you guys enjoy what we're starting over here and what is sure to be a party. And I'm not talking the Thomas variety because I would be talking Tuchel in that sense. But we're going to have a party. We're going to continue to dissect all the minutiae that surrounds football. Got to put love out there first. So with that, 
I send out my love to all of football fans out there worldwide. As we leave here, I'm going to just play some of Peter Drury's finest commentary moments. And once again, I'm your gaffer, Luther Van Sauce. This has been the first episode of the Lovely Peace podcast. And as we head out, we're going to play you some of Peter Drury's best commentary moments. I remember this bit. First goal of the South Africa World Cup. <laughs> Peter Drury, you get Don't forget anyone, if they tell you that was, what a play, don't forget to correct them. It was a lovely piece. See you next time, everybody. We're out. Just